Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Our guest this week is Corey Waltering. Um, and if you've paid attention to ultra running at all o- over the last few months, uh, you will definitely know who Corey is. Uh, he set the FKT, the fastest known time on the 1200 mile um, Ice Age Trail in Wisconsin. And he did it by just consistently keeping a positive attitude and basically going at it with the mindset of I'm adaptable. I can just keep battling through by putting one foot in front of the other. And to do a challenge like that for 21 days, that's three weeks where all you're focused on is this one goal. That is just mind blowing to me. Like the amount of intention and just drive that you have to have to go after that one goal for three weeks is crazy, man. Like you just have to keep that passion up that whole time. But at the same time, as an ultra runner, you have to find that patience to, um, you know, go after it at the right pace and it's awesome. And like after sitting down and talking with Corey, um, you just see why he's so good. You see why he's such an awesome runner. It's because of his attitude. It's because of his mindset. In this episode, he talks about just breaking things down in small pieces, even if the small pieces, the next 10 seconds. I mean, he talks about breaking down this 1200 mile trail into 10 seconds at a time and that's awesome he also talks about accepting pain and when you can do that and just accept that you're going to be in pain what a powerful tool that is in in an endurance event so we chat about that for sure um also something i've i've just been psyched for about a year now ever since i heard the eco challenge was coming back and that they were filming it and they were going to put it on amazon prime um I've been so excited ever since that moment because I remember being a kid, like elementary, middle school student, uh, sitting in my parents' house watching the Eco Challenge on TV and how it kind of just completely blew my mind and inspired me that people can actually go out. Like people actually do go out and do these adventurous things and you know, I hadn't seen that before and I hadn't seen that on TV. Um, and Corey, uh, participated in the eco challenge world's toughest race in Fiji this year as a part of team Onyx, who were the first all African American team, uh, to compete in the eco challenge. And you just got to watch it. It's, it's tremendous. It's awesome. And it, it will, inspire you and motivate you to go out and have an adventure i saw recently the signups for adventure races have just like exploded since they put it on on tv which you know i'm i i'm guessing everyone kind of assumed that was gonna happen but it definitely made me like i looked up adventure races near me right now for sure um after watching it so um we go into that we go into ice age trail uh very special guest co-host today. I'm bringing back on Adam Casey. Um, and Adam's one of my favorite people I've ever interviewed for the podcast. So, um, be sure to go back and listen to his episodes. Uh, he has quite a story 
to tell. Um, he's been on a lot of adventures. He's a he's a big time ultra runner now as well. Um, we're gonna have an episode with Adam in a few weeks actually about uh, Never Summer 100K. Um, but I was we got to talking about like what ultra runners are really inspiring us right now. Um, and we both brought up Corey's name and, you know, we were like, whoa, that would be awesome if, if we could interview him, that would be amazing. And so anyways, I invited Adam on because I know, um, you know, he's been really, really inspired by what Corey has been able to do. So, uh, but yeah, let's get into the episode guys. Um, this is the like a Bigfoot podcast number two fourteen with Corey Woltering. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Um, dude, I'm so excited. Uh, I'm here with Corey Waltering. Uh, Corey just finished the Ice Age Trail, set the FKT on it, which is incredible. Um, he is featured on the Eco Challenge, which I, you have to clear this up. I don't know whether to call it the Eco Challenge or World's Toughest Race, um, but you can watch it on Amazon Prime. And more importantly for today's conversation, He's just finished six other podcasts leading into this, which is insane. So welcome to the show, he's, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> he's, I was, he's primed. He's primed for the, high, the, the main event. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and also today we're going to have Adam Casey on uh, to, to co-host the episode. So yeah, man, I'm just, I'm super excited, Corey. Uh, I had been looking forward to watching the Eco Challenge for ever since you guys went out and did it um, and to actually like watch it, see it. It's a powerful show. Like I cried many times. I'm not ashamed to say uh, it was, it was excellent, man. So I kind of wanted to hear just about that to start. So could you just kind of get into like, you're an ultra runner and yet you decided to take on this insane adventure race with all these other things besides running in it. Um, what was kind of your purpose with doing that? Yeah. Um, so last January, uh, January, 2019, um, I got an Instagram message one day and it was basically like, Hey, Corey, like, I know you like to run, you like to do extreme things. Um, how would you like to race eco challenge? Oh, by the way, it's going to be in Fiji. And I was like, Hmm. Yeah, don't even know where Fiji's at, but, um, you know, I guess I could probably work with this. And um, Clifton reached out, and he's like, yeah, I'm actually trying to put together the first all-African-American team to race an eco-challenge, so um, are you in? And I had to think about that for a minute, because it was also my first year running for the North Face. And so I was like, oh, well, you know, I have a couple of races I was wanting to do and a couple other things. And he's like, well, it's in September. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, I guess I could potentially try to get back into Western States and maybe do something at UTMB and then go straight to Fiji from there. Like, that's what I was thinking. And I'm like, no. So I, I said yes uh, to racing. And then I was like, all right, I'm just going to have to put some of this run stuff on the back burner. Um, so yeah, uh, so he found our team all through Instagram and it's, um, actually pretty funny. He was basically just going through Instagram looking for like black adventure explorer people, um, and just put a team together. 
So yeah, <laughs> that is uh, how I got into this. <laughs> That's amazing. Is, it, is that the the hashtag uh, that he probably used to search um, like the trending that trending hashtag Black Ultra Runner <laughs> and just filtered it through there? Like I honestly have no idea what he was searching for because I'm like I don't know like. I'm like, what exactly do you search for? Are you looking for that? But okay. Um, so yeah, it was um, definitely an interesting experience because other than a three-day weekend in California last July, um, the five of us had never been in the same spot before. Like that was the first time we had all met. Um, and so we meet for a three-day weekend. And then the next thing you know, we're in Fiji a month later getting ready to take on this race. Wow. And like just everything they have you do, like all the disciplines that you have to like, maybe not be an expert at, but just figure out along the way. Um, I wanted to hear about the Billy Billies. I think they were called like the, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that looked rough. <laughs> so um, I don't know anybody that actually enjoyed the Billy Billy. Um, <laughs> like I have not heard one team say anything good about it. Um, and so, like, the local Fijians actually use the Billy Billy when they're, like, trying to just slowly get down the river and maybe, like, taking something to the market or something like that. But when you're racing, like, you're not trying to do anything that slow. And so the issue is if you hit it at high tide, there's actually, like, the rivers in Fiji actually have tides. And so, like, if you hit it at high tide, you get a little bit of a current that helps you along. But if you hit it at low tide, I mean, it's the slowest moving thing in the world. Like, I could have swam faster than being on that thing. <laughs> and so, like, because of that, it was just absolutely miserable. Um, and it was raining for part of it. It was, like, 45 degrees, 50 degrees, and raining. And you're just out there, and you're not going anywhere, and you're not generating, like, any sort of body heat doing this. And so it just... I, yeah, the Billy Billy was traumatizing. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, and you had to like build it and then there was, there were sinking at one point and yeah, it looked, how, yeah. how far did you end up going on it? I think it was 40 kilometers. Um, and so like, because of that, like we were on it for 14 hours um, and like, it was the longest 14 hours of my life. I mean, I've done some pretty miserable things for 14 hours, and, like, this is still the most miserable. That's crazy, man. Well, dude, I gotta, I want to ask, too, like, going from doing all these ultra-endurance stuff by yourself, where you're digging deep inside of yourself, and then now not only having to do that, but having to do it with a team of other people, like, can you kind of speak to that experience a little bit? Yeah, um, it's really fun to do it with teammates like that, just because, you know, you're not the only person suffering out there. And, like, you're usually pretty close to your teammates, like, as you're moving through this course. And so because of that, like, you're just like, oh, well, this kind of sucks. But, I mean, it also sucks for the other three people that are right around me. And it also sucks for the other teams that are still out on the course. And so, um, like, that is the nice part of it. Um, I think it would be very interesting if they'd make an adventure race like this and you could just do it solo. Like, um, I, I think that a lot fewer people would finish if you had to do it solo. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. I think, yeah, there's definitely something about shared suffering and, you know, moments like that. Do you think, um, do you think that you're going to 
try and branch off of this with any of your teammates and go do something kind of like, you know, the Ice Age Trail, but uh, you know, with one of your teammates from Fiji or? Um, yeah, so there are some adventure races that we would like to do this coming year if there are actually races happening. Um, and then also um, Eco Challenge is coming back in 2021, hopefully um in the chilean patagonia region so um we will hopefully be there for that uh which you know that's a completely set of different complete different set of skills than fiji so um at this point it's like great now i have to learn ice climbing um <laughs> and like ice ice climbing and horseback riding are like two of the things that you absolutely need to know for patagonia you gotta so, talk to this guy <laughs> He did a whole horseback race across Mongolia, which is. Oof. That sounds rough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, yeah, it was um, it was one of those things where even when I uh, comes up in conversation, I kind of have that moment of like, oh yeah, I did. I had no horseback riding experience whatsoever, and it kind of like you, like it was some, it was something completely random. It was something that a friend had brought up to me, and yeah, it's uh my friends know how to tempt me with a good time so um yeah if you if you want if, you, if you're looking for some good training in your own uh well i know you're in illinois but if you ever venture out to virginia or dc area i can hook you up with some horseback riding lessons yeah um so one of our teammates is actually from dc well alexandria so yeah, yeah. there you go know. i've got the horse hookup sweet <laughs> yeah i wanted to know like did it did it like stoke the flame in you for wanting to do more of these i mean like did did you really like because i'm sure when you started ultra running there was something that you just really loved about it was it the same for adventure racing or or was it a little bit different um i i don't know that fiji is necessarily the greatest place to start adventure racing um but you know it I really would like to do more of them. So yes, there's that, but I also kind of have to focus on running at the same time. Cause I mean, I do get paid to run, so can't get too distracted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, Fiji was like, Fiji was my first adventure race. Um, so everybody else on the team had at least done like a 24 hour adventure race. Um, Cliff and Chris had both done um, you know, they've done almost expedition length races, like seven day races and stuff. And so like, for me, like, this is the first time I was doing something that was ever more than like 24 hours. Well, no, wait, ultra trail Mount Fuji took me like 27 hours, I think, or something. Other than that, like, I did not have any experience with multi-day racing. Wow. What, like, I mean, is it, was it something you enjoyed or was it, cause obviously, I mean, then you go do the ice age trail, which is multi-day um like a multi-day goal yeah um i did enjoy it um it really wasn't too bad um the the hardest part is just that fiji being such a water course um like where am i gonna go learn to sail an open ocean you know like where am i gonna go stand up paddle boarding across an open ocean like stuff like that and so, like, I just didn't necessarily have all that experience, and so a lot of it was just learning on the fly. And, like, I was literally on the open ocean on a paddleboard when there are two to three foot white caps. Um, as we're just out there, like, great, you know, hopefully, hopefully I'm not one that falls off. Like, so, 
Um, there are just a lot of like really rough moments in Fiji. Um, and it was one of those things where I'm like, if this was anywhere else, I think it might be just slightly easier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you, how have you felt like watching it over the last week? Is there any like particular scenes or, or even teams that you might not have interacted with that like kind of stood out to you? Um, it's been really fun to watch it. Um, yeah. I would say, I don't know. Cause I mean, they don't show all of the teams on the show actually. So I still talk to quite a few of the people from eco challenge that we met and, um, I don't know. It's just, there are a lot of emotions that you feel. And like, there's also a lot of backstories that get left out of like certain situations. And so I think they edited things well, but it's just, I wish there's, you know, more than a 45 minute episode because there's yeah. just so much more that was happening. They could have like 40 episodes of it and still not cover the whole entire thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I think something I was, I, after watching it, I was like, the thing that you see time and time again is just the like at the end of the day like the relationships people have are what matter the most i mean obviously there's a couple teams really pushing for that win that victory but even for them like you're seeing people process uh certain emotions or hard times or things like that and like that was so inspiring to me just as a viewer yeah absolutely yeah um and then the other thing that really stood out to me like especially as a you know goes to you guys like on, on team onyx is there was a part where you came into a village and everyone was just super psyched because it was people who look like them you know and they were like yeah. oh yes and they're like rooting you guys on and at in the moment of watching that it really affected me but later i'm sitting there and i'm watching the whole thing with my daughter who's four years old and every time a girl came on screen she was like I'm, I want her to win. Like, I want to be that girl. And I was like, wow, like, this is the opportunity that they're giving everybody um, by participating in the show. And it's so awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it really is. And so, like, I'm just, I'm really happy for the moments that got shown like that and um, just the stories that they chose to highlight because I think that, you know, it's really, I think it's something that we need right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Corey, you see, you, I know you're a pretty big advocate in just in your running um about you know inclusivity and diversity and uh and ultra running and trail running and stuff um you know do you think that this gave you a good platform to also be a big advocate for that on a bigger scale absolutely um and i've gotten a lot of messages from people that have been watching the show just saying thank you for being you and sharing your message and um and so that's been really cool and then the different like magazine articles and um news articles and news platforms and everything that i've been on has it's just been really cool to be able to get that message out there um even if it is you know a lot of time sitting in front of a computer screen these days um it's it's really Six awesome podcasts <laughs> yeah but it's just it's really awesome um and i love it and so um a lot of people have just been like i i hope you're gonna race uh the next season yeah. and it's one of those things where uh i I, fee I will I will definitely race the next season. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's going to be fun. And I hope that we can continue, you know, the progress and the forward motion. That's awesome, man. I got to ask about the Speedo though. Chafing, <laughs> is that a thing on the, with the Speedo? Because I'm like, dude, going in a boat and then also being in a Speedo, that has to be, that has to cause some major chafage. 
No, it's actually pretty. It's, it's fine. Like it's no different than anything else. So, That's, yeah, dude, I might change. So I'm doing a, a ultra in Iowa in a couple of weeks, and I might have to, uh, you know, bust bust the speedo out. There you go. Go for it. <laughs> are you now? Are you uh, are you hoping for a speedo sponsorship to uh, kind of? Um, to kind of company the North Face sponsorship or anything, or is the Speedos just that's just your jam? Uh, I love it, but I will hopefully have a Speedo probably next year, I'm guessing. Uh, that the North Face will hopefully get out and uh, it will have pockets, so I'm pretty excited about that because everybody <laughs> yes. needs pockets, dude. Everything that's that's the total out. ultra runner mentality. Like, my Speedo <laughs> needs pockets, I gotta yeah. put in gels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just funny. We were talking about it one day, and they're like, "Oh, well, what would you want to see?" And I'm like, "A speedo with pockets, like." <laughs> and they're like, "Anything else?" And I'm like, "Until we get the speedo with pockets, I really don't care." Just <laughs> sharks with friggin' laser beams on their head. I just need speedos <laughs> with pockets. <laughs> yep. That's awesome, man. Well, so I want to kind of move into uh, the Ice Age Trail, but I also have to shout out just Midwestern running and i just went on uh what was on oh the north face it was talking it the website kind of goes through all of your accomplishments and it mentions the quad city marathon which is basically right by my hometown so i want to hear about the quad city marathon real quick (laughs) yeah um i had moved out to boulder that year and was still doing triathlon um, and had wanted to become a professional triathlete, but after Worlds that year, I was like, yeah, I really don't like triathlon anymore. I want to be a trail runner. So I was like, I've never run a marathon, so I should probably run one. And so I came back home to run Quad Cities Marathon, and um, my longest run going into it was like 16 miles or something. And it was just really funny because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm just going to go out and run. Uh, I ran 237 and finished sixth that year. And everyone's just like, who's this kid? Because, like, the top five were all Kenyans or Ethiopians. And so then it was, like, me. It was, like, fifth place was, like, 221 or something like that. And then here I was at 237. And so everyone's like, oh, like, I guess he can run. Like, But, yeah. So, anyway, I kept coming back to Quad Cities, and I've run the marathon or the half there almost every year since. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, one of my favorite marathons. Wow. Is it because of it being your first marathon? Yeah. And so because of that, like I got to know like the race director and other people that are volunteering at the race because they're just like, I can't believe this is your first marathon. Cause like quad cities is not flat. It has like 1200 feet of elevation gain for a road marathon. People don't and- realize that like by the river, it's very hilly. Yeah. Like it's like, it's it's a good course for a first marathon, but it's not going to be a fast course. And so because of that, um, I got to know like the race director and other volunteers and stuff. And so now we're just really good friends with a lot of people there. So like we actually go back for like all of the races that Joe Marino puts on and like anything that's affiliated with the quad cities. And so like, even if I don't race five K's that often, I will still like go to quad cities and race like Joe's like firecracker 10 K and stuff. So yeah. That's awesome, man. That's so cool. Well, so Ice Age Trail, like how did that come about? Um, so my husband is a professional skydiver at Skydive Milwaukee, um, which is in East Troy, which is only like 15 minutes from the Ice Age Trail um, in the southern Kettle Moraine area. 
So uh, when I moved back to Illinois in the end of 2015, and then he started jumping in 2016, I guess would be when the season was starting or whatever, um, I would go up with him when he's jumping, and I'm like, oh, the Ice Age Trail, what's this? So I just trained on like a 30-mile stretch of that trail quite often, um, and then realized that there's more than like Southern Kettle Moraine. There's like Northern Kettles and Devil's Lake and all of this. So it finally got to the point where I'm like, okay, I've seen maybe 150 miles of this trail. Like, I want to find out what it's all about. So uh, the only way to really do that is to run the whole thing. So I was bored this year in May, and I'm like, let's do it in June. You pick, like, the most buggy month, month ever with, like, mosquitoes and stuff. Yes, which is funny because I spent, like, three, like, I went up in may like three times for three days each and checked out different sections of the trail and like there weren't any ticks there hardly any (laughs) mosquitoes there weren't any bugs like everything seemed like it should be good and so then you know i go back and start on june 1st and in like a week it went from like no bugs to like the buggiest i've ever seen anything and it was miserable yeah, you mentioned, I think, before in another interview, uh, it might have been like day two or something was just so miserable that you even thought about just calling it quits at that point because there were just so many uh, ticks or mosquitoes and everything. But then somebody, um, you'll have to describe it again because you picked up on like a hack with like duct tape around your ankles and you were, I, I yeah, I, I couldn't follow that. But yeah, if you could explain what, uh, um, yeah, yeah. what your trick was to keep those away. Yeah, so eight miles into day two, I was like, fuck it, we're going home. Like, I was absolutely done with it. Because I came out of the woods and had 40 ticks on me. And at that point, I'm like, I'm done. Just absolutely done. But through Instagram, I found someone was telling me, they're like, yeah, like, if you just take duct tape and put it sticky side out and then put it around your ankles, when the ticks, like, fall into your shoes and onto your socks, they're going to try to crawl up your legs, but they're going to get stuck on the duct tape, and then they won't bother you. And I'm like, okay, like, I don't believe any of this, but <laughs> whatever. I'm like, I will try it on this next section, and if it works, then I'll keep going. If it doesn't work, then I'm going home. And sure enough, I came out of the woods and had, like, 20 or 30 ticks just stuck to the duct tape, but none of them made it past my ankles. And so that is- after that, I'm like... Yeah, it was nuts. But I was like, all right, like if this works, then I guess we're going on with this thing. That's solid, man. How thick of the, like, how thick in the woods are you on the Ice Age Trail? Uh, pretty thick into it because due to COVID, um, the last day that people could do like any sort of maintenance on the Ice Age Trail was sometime in March. Okay. And then they were not allowed to do any volunteer maintenance until May 26th. And so I was starting on June 1st. And so the trail hadn't been touched in two months. And so um, because of that, like, it was a pretty rough navigation with just overgrowth and like down trees. Um, and and so, yeah, it, it was rough the first like eight or nine days. Um, and then like when people realized I was doing the FKT, um in the like southern sections of the trail like the local chapters that are in charge of maintenance were actually going out and clearing the trail ahead of me coming through um and so like luckily the final like 600 miles or so like people had mowed the trail they'd cleaned up any of the down trees and um got everything out of the way for me for the second half of it yeah 
That's awesome, man. Well, was it, I know, cause I just, just after doing a little bit of research, like I know there was certain points where, you know, you rolled your ankle, um, just like you just mentioned, like you thought about quitting, uh, when did it, re- when did it hit you? Like, I'm actually going to actually set this FAT. Uh, probably the day after I finished. I heard you talking about before you uh, you had like an off by one error where you didn't realize the clock started on day zero or and then um, so for everyone listening you know you at the original FKT I think it was like 21 days and you thought you had hoped to uh, you had hoped to set the record at 19 days um, you ended up achieving the record but you came in I think with uh, five hours to spare or something. And one of those was, uh, like I was saying, you had an off by one error where you didn't realize you should, sh- the day that like the, they started day zero instead of day one. Is that right? Yeah. And so like, we didn't realize that until like day 17 or something. And so <laughs> it was just one of those things where like, honestly, until like day 17, I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I'm like, I cannot make up any sort of mileage here. And I'm like, this is just not working. Like something is completely off but I don't know what it is. And so like starting like on day 17, I'm like, we're just gonna have to pull an all nighter or something to get this done because like, I'm just that far behind. And what I didn't realize is like, we actually like messed up our calculations and we had like 24 hours in there. So instead of being like, you know, 90 miles down or something, I was actually only down by like 30 miles um, or something like that. And so I'm like, we don't have to pull an all nighter now. I'm not down by 90 miles. Like, here we go. Um, but yeah, um, it was interesting because like I, the whole time I thought that I could get the FKT, um, even when things were just going completely wrong and I was having certain days where I just wasn't able to hit the mileage I wanted to hit, but I'm like, that's okay because I can still walk. And on the days that like I couldn't run because of my ankle, um, I was still walking about 40 miles a day. Um, and so because of that, like I was only losing maybe five miles a day at that point. And so I knew that the final like 160 or so miles are either road or on like rail trail type stuff. And so because of that, I'm like, I, I know that I can run a road and I know that I can run a rail trail. And I'm like, I don't care how much pain I'm in. Like, I know that I can run this and I know I can run it well. Um, and so because of that, I honestly think that having to walk days like 5 through 10, 5 through 11 in there, um, I think it kind of saved my muscles anyway. So that way, when I really had to start pushing at day like 18, I was like, all right, here we go. And I was able to get it done. So because I covered like 270 miles over the last like 90 something hours. <laughs> That's insane, man. Wow. Yeah. And I, I just like how did you handle the pressure of like just the whole entire time, not knowing whether or not you're going to get it? Uh, I don't see it as pressure. I just see it as something you have to get done. And so because of that, it's like focus on things 10 seconds at a time. Like you can run for 10 seconds, you can walk for 10 seconds, whatever, but like you have to forget what you've already done and you can't really think about what you still have to do. You just have to be in the moment and be like, all right, I'm doing the best I can right now, 10 seconds at a time. Yeah. Did you have like a game plan going in? And if you did, like, what percentage did you hit it? Like, did you hit like 80% of it or, you know, did uh, everything go right or everything go wrong or, <laughs> you know? 
Um, I would say that I had a game plan going in and then with like the miscalculation of days plus the fact that I had a 28 mile day on day two rather than a 50 something mile day um, I would say that the plan pretty much fell apart from there um, and so after that it was like all right like just get it done like figure out where you think you kind of want to be and then uh, get as close to that as possible. Um, the other issue we ran into is we wanted to camp along the way rather than have to like drive to a hotel or a house or something. But because of COVID, uh, the campgrounds are shut down and like the campgrounds that were open didn't have any sort of facilities to them. And so at the end of being out on a trail for 18 hours, the last thing you really want to do is set up a tent and not be able to shower. Um, or like, set up a tent and then be just covered in ticks and mosquitoes. And so because of that, uh, we ended up having to drive to hotels more than we wanted to and sleeping in the van more than we wanted to. And so like just a lot of like small things like that were just falling apart. Yeah. Well, you seem so, like you have a pretty type A personality and, but yet you also have like a very mindful personality and a mentality of like, this just is 10 seconds at a time. This just is, how do you balance the two? Um, you know, probably when you have to be very regimented in your training, but then being so open to when things just, when shit hits the fan, I guess. Yeah. Uh, like I like to think that I'm at about like a level three all the time. Um, and so because of that, like when things are going wrong, I'm like, this is still fine. And so we actually, <laughs> We had a camera crew with us for about 10 days, plus we had a photographer with us for the whole thing. And it was just really funny because they're like, we we're just waiting for that moment where you're going to lose your shit, you know? And I'm like, I, I never did. Like, like, I just never did. They never got one of those moments. And so it was just pretty funny because they're like, we've never seen someone just like so calm about things like going wrong. Like there are a couple moments where like, not necessarily a crew breakdown but like you get into places where you don't have cell signal and like you might need something but it's like well part of your crew is up the road part of the crew is here and what you need is with the other crew that's up the road and like they don't know that you need it because we told them like go ahead and go get some sleep but then like i can't get what i need and it's like okay like no big deal like i still have other food i can eat or like i still have other shoes you know like no big deal um and so it was just really funny in the final days when like my crew was way more tired than I was though. And there are moments where like everybody's falling asleep and I'm like, I don't know what you guys have to do, but get some Red Bull and stay up because we are going all night. So, uh, <laughs> and it's just one of those. And they're just like, how are you the most awake of all of us right now? And I'm like, I don't know, but figure it out. And so like, that, that's me being at like a three and a half, maybe. And so... <laughs> And so, I hate to see you cross into like a five or six range. Yeah. And so it's just, it's so funny. Cause like, that's just how I am. I'm like, if it's not going well, or like if things are falling apart, I'm like, it's totally fine. Like we will figure it out. That's such a huge skill to have in any sort of endurance race, but also just in life in general. Yeah, like, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to try it. I'm going to write that. I'm a, uh, I'm a middle school teacher and uh we're preparing for school to go back next week so i'm just gonna write on my board i'm at a three and i'm just gonna like keep saying that in my mind i'm like i'm at a three right now i'm at a three i got this i got that Corey. <laughs> yeah man well so i read that um some of the former uh fk tiers the people who had the record came out and joined you like 
Yeah. What, what did that mean to you? And, and what was that like? Uh, that was awesome. And um, both Annie and Jason came out and that was really cool just because like they came out on days where they're like, yeah, this is kind of where things were hard for us or kind of breaking down for us. And like, it just meant a lot because they're like, yeah, you know, we know what you're going through at that point. So um, we just wanted to come out and support you on this, um, which was just really cool. Um, although it's definitely interesting listening to them talk about their experience throughout the trail, just because like they definitely planned more for like, this is how far we're going to get every day. And like, this is where we're staying and this is, you know, what we're going to eat and like had all that planned out. Whereas I was like, we're going to get food from a gas station in the morning and we're going to throw it in the van and then I'm just going to eat it along the way. And, you know, we are going to push until I'm too tired to go on and then we'll stop and there you go. And so like, I definitely did not plan as much as they did for it. Um, and so it's just, it was interesting because, but we all struggled um, on the same section, um, which is like the kettle bowl section. Uh, that is where all of us had like minor breakdowns in just like the body function. Um, yeah. And so like, I don't know what it is about the first basically eight days of this thing, but um, apparently it just rips you apart. Do you think there's anything to be said for your body just like getting stronger as you go? Absolutely. Like, and it's funny because like Pete Kostelnik was like, uh, when I rolled my ankle, he actually he sent me, a, yeah, he sent me a message on Instagram and he's like, just keep pushing your ankle will fix itself. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know, Pete, like, I don't know that my ankle's just going to magically fix itself, but I swear to God, there's one day where I went to bed and my ankle was like almost baseball size. It was still just hurting so bad. And then I wake up the next morning after sleeping in compression socks and the swelling's pretty much gone. You can finally see my ankle bone. And the camera crew was in the room that morning. So like, I would just didn't want to get out of bed because I'm like, I knew that every step I took from the moment of getting out of bed was just going to be pain all day until I slept. So like, I took my time getting out of bed, but then they're like filming me, putting my feet on the ground for that moment. And like, I'm just like, hmm, it doesn't hurt. And everyone's like, what? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain this. And so then I was just joking. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe Pete knows what he's talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah, those, uh, yeah, those uh, over there with the the healing events when uh, again a big conference center or whatever. You got the uh, like Billy Graham kind of style, like cast this demon out of you and your ankles. <laughs> <laughs> I also I love the idea of you battling the camera crew, where you're like, you're not getting the shot you want. Like I know yeah. you're here to film me. You're not getting that shot. Yeah, it was it was pretty funny because I'm like, I'm not getting up. Like, I just ran until 2 a.m. It was like 6.30 in the morning as they're there. And I'm like, I didn't sleep. Like, I just need like 30 more minutes of sleep. Like, this is going to be totally fine. But like, I'm not getting out of bed because this is just painful. And so they're like, well, they're like, we'll be here till you get out of bed. And they're like, we're also going to follow you around all day. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that is right, won't you guys? So here we go. And I just put my feet on the ground. And I'm like, hmm doesn't hurt <laughs> yeah that remind that kind of reminds um reminds me of sh the book cheryl Strayed wrote about hiking the pacific rush trail and she talks about how two weeks in just kind of magically her body just started transforming because she was putting down so many miles on the trail so yeah i think there's definitely something to be said about your body just 
kind of surrenders to the fact that, hey, we're doing this, so you might as well cooperate with me. Absolutely. Yeah. Your body's just like, this is what we do now, I guess. I guess we have to adapt here, you know? All that gas station food and, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, about six to 8,000 calories of gas station food a day. So, yeah, plenty of it. What was your go-to gas station food? Uh, so quick trip, uh, their cheeseburgers and their crispy chicken sandwiches. And then I would also get SpaghettiOs with meatballs and, uh, condensed chicken and stars soup. And like, I would just literally load up my hydration pack with like a cheeseburger in one pocket and a chicken sandwich in the other pocket. And like, I'd just be chowing on those out on the trail. And then um, when I'd come in to like see the van or whatever, I'd be like, all right, now I'm going to eat some cold SpaghettiOs and then chug a can of chicken and stars soup. And I'm like, there you go. I get my sodium. I get some carbs. Like I get everything I need. Like this is all disgusting, but it works. And so like I was honestly eating probably 6,000 calories of that a day. And then like the other 2,000 calories are just coming from like breakfast and dinner. Um, And then we'd actually have like lunch on the trail where if we could, we'd either find like fast food somewhere or we'd get out the camp stove if we we're like at a place where we could. And like every once in, a while, once in a while, I'd actually get like mashed potatoes with like chicken broth in them and then like uh, pizza rolls on the camp stove. And so like, yeah, like I was eating a bunch of shit food, but it works. And That's so, like, yeah, nutritionist nightmare at this point. absolutely but like it's the only way to get like that much you know sodium carbs fat all of it um and then i'd also have a beer at lunch every day so yeah now when you're designing the speedo what pocket can are you gonna how big are the pocket are the pockets gonna be big enough to hold the can of chicken noodle soup in there or you're gonna have Um, a pocket for the crispy sandwiches i hope it can at least hold a sandwich (laughs) (laughs) i'm telling you right now man you get North Face to make a Speedo with pockets, I will buy a Speedo with pockets and start running in it. Love it. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, you've got, you got at least two pre-orders right now. I'll tell you that. Perfect. I'm loving this. Start the production line. <laughs> um, I did want to ask really quick about just like kind of some mindset just in general and, you know, maybe related to Ice Age Trails since it was such like a gigantic challenge. Um, but mindset slash like just pure you know being a lifelong athlete like badassness that you're you've discovered through this whole journey um what kind of tools do you have in like your mental toolbox for when things get tough um i don't know like so as i was saying earlier like the 10 seconds at a time um like i like to break things Mm -hmm. down into just really small pieces Uh, because that's one of the easiest ways that you can get out of basically any situation. Um, I'd also say that, like, I don't know, like, I'm not scared of pain, I guess, Um, which I'm not really sure where that comes from. Maybe that comes from, like, back when I was running the 400 and the 800 or something, where, you know, those are extremely painful races, but that's only, like, you know, a minute or two minutes or whatever of pain, and then, like, sure, it hurts for like 15 minutes afterward, and then you're done with it. But um, I think that you definitely learn a lot by racing some of that shorter stuff, or even like, um, after college, I was doing some 5k, 10k stuff. And like, that hurts. 
And so I think it's just one of those things where I had to be good at processing pain like quickly. Um, so I'd say that that's one of my strengths and, oh, I don't know. Like I'm really good at just like forgetting about what I'm doing. So like, <laughs> like, and sometimes that's a skill, you know, like, um, like I just look back at a lot of my hundred mile races and stuff that I've done. And I don't think I've ever fully like raced one hard. I think that I've raced them well, but probably not hard just because, um, I didn't know how hard I could push. But now after the ice age trail, I'm really excited to get back to like racing a hundred and just being like, yeah, like this could hurt for a few hours, but I can also sleep in my own bed tonight. Like, so there's a lot that goes into that, but I'd say that not being afraid of pain and breaking things down into small pieces are probably like my two biggest skills. Yeah. I mean, dude, now after doing that 21 day thing, a hundred miler, just going for it is going to be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm really excited for it. But like, it's like, how bad could it really hurt? I mean, I think I've went through, well, I don't think, I know that I've gone through the most pain I've ever been in during this 21 days. And so because of that, like, I don't think a hundred miler is going to come anywhere even close to it. Wow. Do you have a hundred mile race that you, you know, if, if and when races do start up again, do you have one already in mind that you want to test this theory out with? Um, I don't know. Western States would probably be a pretty fun one to do that at. So, um, hopefully I can, uh, get a golden ticket at Black Canyon and then, um, go back to States. Um, but I don't know, like, <clears throat> I mean, I love heat, so Western States is kind of right up my alley. And, like, I enjoyed my first time there, um, but, like, I just, as I said, like, I enjoyed it. Like, I didn't feel like I was, I don't know, I was running, like, two days after Western States, like, completely fine, just back at, you know, easy running and then training, like, a week or two later. And so, like, that just tells me I didn't race it hard. Yeah, yeah. Is that I mean, something that I know you – uh, your coach, Jason Coop, is at, I haven't read too much about his philosophy, but is, does, is part of your training when, you know, you go do a big race like that the next day, are you a big fan of no matter what, get on your feet, go do something, or are you pretty religious about, no, I'm, I need to take it easy, like, you know, I, my body's broken kind of moment? Um, so after a big race like that, I tend to like walk to the brewery from wherever I'm staying. And, uh, and that's about the most activity I do the day after. Um, and probably for a few days after actually. Um, but yeah, I don't know. He's, he's very good about letting us rest when we need to. Um, and so like for the past couple months, like we've just been chatting every other day or whatever. And, um, it's been fun cause he's like, I just laugh when there's a 30, 30 minute run that comes through training peaks or whatever. Cause he's like, I just know what you went through for 21 days. And he's like, you don't need to be running now if you don't want to. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I didn't want to. So I didn't run for a while. Um, but now I'm kind of back into the point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to start jogging some stuff and I actually signed up for a marathon on September 6th. And so I'm on this like, couch to marathon training program at the moment where um, my goal is basically to run more miles in a week now than I was drinking beers in a week. And, um, <laughs> so, yeah. per ounce? Are we going per ounce or per can? Or <laughs> uh, No, per can. Like, that's about how much beer I've been drinking. So, um, 
So I actually cut beer out for the next couple of weeks until the marathon, just so I can get back to some sort of training plan. Um, but then I discovered like non-alcohol beer. And so like, I don't know, like it's like a lot less calories. So there you go. Boom. There you go, man. I think you should actually change the name of your training to a thousand two hundred mile FKT two couch. Two couch. Like you're skipping a step there by saying couch marathon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's definitely been interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it'll, it'll be good. <laughs> well, no, I know to, ra- to wrap things up a bit, I know Adam wants to talk to you. He Adam's a big skydiver. And your yeah. husband's a pro skydiver, so uh, I know you have some questions on him. Oh yeah, no, I'm ready to geek out even harder, uh, Corey. I, so you you've talked about before how your husband will join you on some long runs of yours with, um, you know, get on a scooter. I think you'd mentioned, or get on a bike, and he and he join you. Have you ever gone up with him and done it? As he because if he's an instructor, he he can do his tandem. So have he, has he ever tandemed you? Uh, I have not gone yet, and um, the only reason I have not gone is because I'm normally out doing a long run or something as he's jumping, and so by the end of the day when he's done, you know, 12 or 15 jumps, the last thing he wants to do is take me up, and the last thing I want to do is go jump out of an airplane after running on trails for five or six hours. (laughs) Well, so at the... uh... Um, Chris and I, we've talked about, so Chris and I have known each other for years, and we've always joked about, um, I don't think we've ever come up with a name with it, but we could call it like the Bigfoot Marathon, maybe, but it's yeah. um, it's this idea that we would, um, you know, start off, uh, talk about an adventure race, start off by doing a jump, get land, and, you know, we were out here in Colorado, and uh, I used to jump up in Boulder, and so we'd land, and then um, do a half marathon or marathon race. And I think at some point, Chris wasn't there. There's was like a coffee break in there, like the turn yeah, on. There's coffee involved. But also I have to say, he's saying we jump out of the airplane. I was <laughs> joining him for the running section of this. It's, it's a good, yeah, it's the adventure race. We're going to start our own adventure race. And, uh, you know, Corey, you can be the first participant if you want. Cool, there we go. Yeah. We'll get it. We'll get a team going. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, um, I, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, I totally feel that though, you know, at the end of the day, probably the last thing you want to do is go jump out of an airplane with somebody who's just exhausted. Totally. Yeah. Does, like, do you think, do you think he finds kind of some of the same things that you f- draw from running from, you know, doing skydiving? Oh, uh, probably. I mean, I, he enjoys it. Like he really enjoys it. So yeah, I would say yes. Um, I mean, he has 12,900 jumps, so, um, yeah. So I would say that he enjoys it. (laughs) (laughs) It's no longer a hobby at that point. (laughs) Absolutely. That's awesome, man. Well, um, Adam, do you have anything else to wrap up or? No, I I think uh, I always want to say, Corey, you know, it's just been so impressive seeing, you know, you kind of come on the scene over the past couple of years. I know you were fighting for a while to get sponsorships and, beyond speedo and beyond um quick trip uh, is there any sponsor out there that you would love to just work with because of their mission or because of just what the company is overall um so i actually just also signed with ultra x um which is a stage race uh, stage racing company out of the uk um and their big thing is trying to make stage racing more affordable 
um, because like MDS and a lot of those races are extremely expensive and they're not convenient to get to. Yeah. Um, so they're trying to do them in some locations that are still extremely pretty, but are going to be easier places to get to. And the cost of entry into the race is a lot cheaper than like an MDS. But one of their big missions right now is to basically um, like lower the age of people getting into stage racing by making it more affordable and also um, increasing the diversity in the sport of ultra running and stage racing. Um, so that's, uh, I think they're a great company. I really enjoy working with them. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think like, yeah. Dude, as a, I, I mean, I've, my biggest race I've ever done has been a stage race and I just loved it. I loved it so much. It's so unique to go out, do a certain run for a day, camp out with all these other athletes and then go do it the next day. Like, I just love it so much. And I just really like that there's companies out there thinking about that because that is one of the major pieces that keeps people from doing stage races just the cost and the locations and all that so that's awesome man yeah absolutely and like i love stage racing as well and so because of that like i was super thrilled when i got to join their pro team and um i'm just really excited for some of the things that they're going to be doing over the next few years that's cool man well hey where can people kind of follow your adventures like i mentioned the eco challenge uh world's toughest race is on amazon right now and you know, I was definitely rooting for Team Onyx for sure. Uh, <laughs> amongst yeah. every, and that's, that's the thing too. You're watching it and you're rooting for everybody because it's such a hard thing to to actually put yourself through. Totally. Um, yeah. So I'm on Instagram, uh, Corey Waltering on Instagram, and then I have an athlete page on Facebook as well. Um, and I mean, I have my Facebook, but I can't really add more people. So that's why I had to create the athlete page. Um, and yeah, I think, oh, I guess I'm on Twitter, but I don't remember what my Twitter handle is. So, um, yeah. That's awesome, man. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, I, I really appreciate it too, man. You're awesome. Keep kicking ass, uh, keep setting FKTs and we'll be rooting you on. Yeah, awesome. Corey. I mean, next time you come out to, uh, to Colorado, uh, we'll, we'll save a spot for you on this, uh, on our own adventure race. And, um, yeah, we'll, uh, it's been great talking to you. You've done some really impressive stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's been great talking to you guys. Thanks, man. All right, guys, that wraps up the episode. Uh, huge thanks to Corey. Honestly, man, Adam and I were just sitting there just like this guy's a rock star. <laughs> He's the best man. So I just huge thanks for coming on, sharing your stories, um, sharing your knowledge that you've picked up by doing these and pushing yourself and pushing your limits. And, you know, the thing I took away is just keeping that positive mentality. Um, even if things aren't, aren't going the way you're, you were planning is you, you got to keep that positive mentality. You got to keep that optimism. You just got to keep going. You got to look 10 seconds in front of you. What's the right thing I can do right now? The positive thing I can do right now in these 10 seconds that if I do that and I do that repeatedly thousands and thousands of times, that's going to add up and it's going to result in something huge and something important. And, um, you know, hearing that that's the strategy and the approach that you took in the ice age trail um 
it's really connecting with me right now uh especially like not even ultra running wise i obviously ultra running wise yeah i'm gonna definitely use that um mindset and keep that in mind um but just in life in general uh i mentioned this week we're we're getting ready to go back to school and obviously school is looking a lot different than it has in the past there's a lot of things that we're going to have to be adaptable with and and really you know work with to to do what's best um for our kids and it's hard man it's been overwhelming it's been stressful i've been anxious for sure uh i've been trying to apply things i've learned during ultras which is like you know exactly what Corey was talking about just focus on what you can control um even though there's so many things you can't control and it's been it's been overwhelming for sure um doing this interview was a bright spot of the week it's something i was looking forward to all week long so um when i said i was gonna write um you know when i said i was gonna write uh i'm at a three <laughs> you know stress-wise i'm at a three when i said i was gonna write that on my board and use that as my mantra i'm not even joking man that's going up tomorrow i'm even if i don't even mention it to anybody i'm gonna look at that and be like you got this dude you're at a three which means you're adaptable you're flexible you're calm you're collected and you're understanding like you can handle anything that is thrown your way any challenge um and and because that's what's that's what being a human is about and you know that's why i love ultras man and i know i've said it a billion times on the podcast so if you're still listening 57 minutes in you're like yeah dude we know but uh but the thing that you prove to yourself is just how much you can handle um you know you prove to yourself like oh i can have a plan and have the plan not work out exactly as I wanted it, but I can adapt it and I can, um, you know, kind of, kind of grow from there, which is awesome. And I think the, the cool thing too, if you add in the adventure race aspect is not only do you see that in yourself and you're seeing that in your own self-talk that's going through your brain and all that stuff during these events, but you're seeing it in your team dynamics and, and you're working it out as a group of people. And now you don't have to just care about yourself. You have to care about the others around you. And and even just listen to Corey's story, like he, he did the adventure race with three people who he didn't really know until they decided to do something called the world's toughest race together, <laughs> you know? And I just think there's so much you can learn about, you know, I might not have known the people that I was racing with, but then we got into the hard times and we pulled together and we cared for each other and we loved each other. And we, we worked from that place of love to really like drive us through. And we worked, um, from that place of just caring about another human being to kind of work our way through big time challenges, uh, and things that were way outside of our comfort zone. And, uh, you know, um, I know I mentioned watching it, there was many moments I teared up on and it wasn't, you know, the moments weren't necessarily about people digging deep. It was about people 
just having these human moments and talking about why they're out there and what they're trying to achieve. And every team, you watch it and you're like, every person is going through some sort of experience where they're trying to become a better human being by doing this adventure race. Every single person out there. Um, and that really, really, really comes through, um, which is awesome. So once again, highly recommended. I'm going to try to line up a couple other uh, Eco Challenge interviews. I know hopefully next week um, I'm going to record another one, um, but I'm going to try to do three or four episodes about it because like I said, dude, I'm a huge nerd about adventure documentaries and adventure racing and endurance racing and to see it represented um you know on like a major streaming platform like that's huge uh for for the race so anyways uh yeah that's that's probably a good place to wrap it uh huge thanks to adam thank you man like i really appreciate it um i was really excited to do the episode with adam as a co-host so that was super fun uh we'll have an episode with adam coming out in a few weeks from now, um, which is a blast, just like every episode I've recorded with him. So definitely go back, check out those. There were three we did, um, together that kind of tells you Adam's story and it's, it's pretty incredible. So, um, all right guys, let's wrap it there. Uh, yeah, we'll get back at you next week.